Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Unlocking Business Potential, your business and advisory podcast backed by Betty Tanaki. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Melissa, and I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Kelsey. How's it going? Going really good, thank you. How are you? Good, good. So today we've got a very special guest with us as well. So in line with our entrepreneurship kind of look through businesses, small businesses, startup businesses, we've brought to the episode today Anna Major. So Anna is the owner and founder of House of Design. How are you doing, Anna? I'm good, thanks. <laughs> Excited to be here. Awesome. So we wanted to have you in because we had heard that You'd recently come on as a client Mm -hmm. and just starting to grow your business. Is that kind of right? Yeah, probably just taking that next step in the drive of the business. It's kind of been more just myself, whereas like now the business is sort of an entity to itself, really. So Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Excited for the opportunity. Thanks. Before we get stuck in, I just wanted to throw in our usual disclaimer that the information contained in this podcast is general in nature and is no substitute for tailored advice specific to your particular circumstances. If you do need advice, make sure to touch base with your usual advisor or get in touch with us at melancal at bdo.co.nz. Tell us more about your business, what you do and what the industry line and stuff like that is. Okay, so I'm an interior designer. Um, it used to be more that that was perceived to be interior decorating, but now there are probably about five different facets of interior design in terms of interior architecture, uh, styling, interior design, interior decorating, and staging kind of decorative furniture placement, that kind of stuff. Um, so that category and that type of work has expanded, and we do a really large chunk and sort of tuck in under architecture in terms of what we do. Um, so yeah, I've got an interior design business and I've got, uh, someone else who works for me as well. Awesome. So much like you said, like people probably get a bit confused as what an interior designer is. Do they think it's like the people that go out and shop for furniture and make the house pretty? Pretty much. A lot of people think I fluff pillows. Definitely do not (laughs) fluff pillows. Um, we do a lot of 3D rendering for builds. We pretty much, you know, once an architect has done their plans, unless they're involved with the specifications of builds themselves, like we could be in charge of um, determining all the lighting plans and the lighting fixtures. We can do um, joinery design, so like kitchens, built-in units, plumbing placement, plumbing selections, you know, everything. It's kind of everything that would go into building a house we have the ability to specify and take care of. So what were you started in that business in this industry then? Um, I could probably thank my parents for that. I kind of somewhat grew up in interior fashion kind of industry. So we used to own Levine's um, and then it was Freedom Furniture and then there was a separate paint shop that sort of got split out of that. Um, so in some way I sort of grew up in doing that kind of stuff and then um, sort of went to university, went and travelled and did some stuff came back, started working back in the family paint shop and I got into working with like formulating paint and colour and I worked with a lot of interior designers on custom selections and wallpaper Um, and through that I just really enjoyed the process. I enjoyed what interior designers did. It was far more comprehensive than just fluffing pillows Um, and it was really interesting and I enjoyed the trade industry so that's what got me into it. it was kind of like it was the backbone of really what I grew up sort of being around but then I never really attributed that to wanting this as a career so it kind of just landed it's quite nice actually that you 
weren't like a lot of people who get quite scared off with what their parents did when they were younger and they're like no the, that's the <laughs> oh, last thing I want to do I actively rejected it for a wee while <laughs> I did the natural teenager sort of adolescent thing but then no it's um, kind of funny that this is what I ended up doing but it, like they weren't interior designers they just had a business that was kind of related to the industry but um, it's just definitely something that as I got older and my partner had a house and it was kind of one of those things that we we both had similar interests and it was just it sort of just landed in it yeah so do you start off doing a bit of you just in your own housing to start with? Yeah, like we um, did a little bit of that, but also as well I had an amazing start with like friends and family that gave me the opportunity to get started. They mm -hmm. saw that I was passionate about it and sort of I put in the work um, to make those properties far more extra and sort of like took all opportunities to learn everything. So um, yeah, just I fully immersed myself in it and gave myself a shot at doing it. So that's what got me started. That's so cool. And then when did you take it from kind of like a hobby to actually like a full-time business? Um, probably about three to four years in, it really started to take off and I was mm -hmm. sort of fully employed in that. Um, yeah, so that sort of really became one thing. And then when, so after I had a kid and then took on Emma, that definitely turned things up a notch. We've got two people that are pretty much fully employed buy that business now and it's it's really as well the Taranaki industry is really small you build a reputation people want to work with you more um and yeah you get sort of get known more for that so that is really that's why the business is kind of going in the direction it's going in at the moment that's really cool so you said like the Taranaki region is small is that more from an interior design perspective or people don't use the services as much as you think they should be um like it's just a smaller town in terms of the tradespeople you're building your reputation and that kind of thing. Like everybody kind of knows everybody. Hmm. Um, but also as well, it's taken probably a, about this time, I think, even with architects to recognise interior design as an important component and collaborate with other people. So um, people are recognising interior design more and I think social media has a big influence on that. Mm. Mm. Was there any point when you were, you know, business was starting to take off and it looked like it was going to become its own thing, its own entity, mm. where you were concerned or worried about the fact that you were about to take this hobby and put it into your business and, and your career? Was there any anything that made you a little bit fearful of that? I live in fear. Yep. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> um, I can't even, like, probably answer that question without being completely honest that I'm, like, I live in fear. Um... But I think also as well, it's a massive motivator. So um, I, how Emma came on board to the business was I was one too many wines deep one night and I was freaking out at the amount of work that I had coming my way. And so I threw it out onto social media to say, I'm desperate. Is anybody out there? I've got guaranteed work. Is anybody, you know, keen on interior design and wanting to get into it? And I got a couple of people message back and, you know, the application pool was actually unreal for this town. Like, I couldn't believe some of these people were just not using their degrees or not using sort of the skill set. Um, so, basically, met with a couple. Um, Emma was the absolute right fit at the right time. And, yeah, that's how that started. But that's, yeah, live in fear of basically that it's going to get out of control. But then also, it's quite a big motivator for me to keep moving. So, Yeah. <laughs> And nothing like that really sticks out as like a problem time when you were like, I'm not sure if I can do this. Like, I don't want to keep going down this path. Or has it kind of just been all guns blazing? No, no, I think like 
No, and nothing that makes me want to get out of what I'm doing. I love this job. I love this job and I feel privileged to do it. So nothing that makes me want to give it up completely, just living in fear of, like, that there's too much and not enough me or that things keep changing in the industry all the time, especially in construction side of things at the moment. So it's just that kind of fear of that things are moving so volatile and, mm -hmm. and in a crazy pattern that it's kind of, you never feel like you're keeping up. Yeah. Definitely a good problem to have like instead of the alternative, which yeah. is I don't know if I've got enough work, I don't know if I've got enough money to pay my staff and yeah. my suppliers. Yeah. I mean, that fear is always there at the moment. It's probably less on the forefront because things are crazy the way that they are. But mm -hmm. that's always a fear of being a self-employed person is that you're just scared that someday it's just going to dry up completely and you'll have nothing and mm. trying to find a job then basically out of your skill set is crazy. So, yeah, yeah. Something kind of in the back of your head then, eh? Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, like, you try not to let those kinds of fears be determinants. I think you just kind of have to be realistic with your day-to-day. -day. Yeah. But it is always there. I think you're always scared to some degree that it'll dry up or it's too much and you haven't got enough. So, yeah. Yeah. Is one thing with, with the having too much, is it how do you manage that as a business owner? Because obviously you don't want to turn people away and say, we can't take you on, but at the same time, you don't want to overload yourself and overload your staff and then maybe struggle with deadlines. How do you manage those two sides of that having too much work competition? Yeah, it's something that I've had to become quite disciplined with myself at. I'm a complete yes person. I love saying yes to people and sort of putting myself at the absolute bottom of the barrel of priority. But um yeah, it's definitely something that I've had to just practice to say no or be really honest with people in terms of timelines or boundaries. I like to, at the moment, just pretty much push out the deadline as far as I know as possible. So I'm saying that I can um, under-promise and over-deliver. So I try and like stretch it out as long as possible. And even still, just the way that the market is quite volatile at the moment in terms of supply and people needing things like... I turn up on a Monday and sometimes my entire week gets derailed by something that's way more of a priority because something's happening on site. Um, so then that entire week's gone. So I try to like push things out as long as I can in terms of my own design and like own timeframes. But um, yeah, it's sort of something that I've just had to practice to kind of set the boundaries in place so that I don't end up torturing myself because it happens ev every time. <laughs> every yeah. time. Yeah, you have to learn the hard way. Something I came to think of is that, not interior design per se, but construction in general was a mm. really male-dominated, like, industry. How do yeah. you find, like, getting in on those work sites and not feeling like an outsider? Um, I think because my background prior to this was heavily involved with the tradespeople, I know how to relate to them. Um, and, like, I just go in and deal with facts, really. Like, I don't see a gender placed on what we do, so long as we're turning up and we're making their lives easier. For the most part, you get the respect and they like working with you for that mm -hmm. um and I was like with any job if it's led by a project manager or if it's just a renovation and we're doing a lot of the leading I just make sure that everybody knows that the communication is key so everybody has to communicate if you you can't just assume things on site you need to check with people um and that usually results in a really really good time for everybody like it's only a good time to turn up and do this job if everyone's having a good time doing it um, I don't like blowing down the phone at people. I don't like people blowing down the phone at me. So, um, yeah, we just make sure that the communication's key and everybody gets along and usual trade banter, if you can hack it. <laughs>
on site. Yeah. <laughs> Do you take highs down or something like yeah. that? <laughs> Just try and join in with them, whatever it is, so long as it's not too gross. Yeah. yeah. Normally, like, quite derogatory, eh? Yeah. It's just a different different type of banter, but yeah. for the most part, it's pretty fun and jovial. So, yeah, I enjoy it. I'm like, yeah, it's a good time. That's really cool. And, like, As far as like advice to other people are kind of like going along this journey, setting up their businesses, what do you think is like a really key piece of advice for those people? For interior design? Interior design or business and just business in general. Um, you need to have the right like advice and I think the right people around you. Um, I mean, obviously BDOs would be great for giving people advice, getting set up with a software to manage accounting, taking that part out of being self-employed. Mm -hmm. Running an Excel spreadsheet is not the way to do it. Um, <laughs> no, no, you guys could agree. Um, yeah. So I think taking care of making the business work for you in that respect, because there's like fifty percent of the business is actually what you're good at and what you set out to do. The other fifty percent of the business is all that happens behind the scenes in terms of accounting, marketing. I mean, you, you're your own professional in all of those aspects. So I think if you can either have good people around you that can help steer you in the right direction with that stuff, get good advice on your financials and accounting to make life easier for yourself so that you can just concentrate on what you're good at instead of having to stress about all the stuff that you're naturally not good at. Um, yeah, I think that that's... It's key. the same as someone building. Like, yep. why would they do the design if that's not their strength? That's why they get someone like you. That's a massive sentence that I push to people is, you know, like... Um, like getting wedding planners to plan weddings. it's There's a job for that and there's a reason that exists because everybody freaks out week of. Um, so there's a reason why you employ professionals to do professional work. That's why we're involved because we make ultimately a far better design. We save people money um, from costly errors um, and we make things flow better. We take away the stress, the, like, the anxiety that comes with doing that kind of stuff. We take that all away because we do it every day. Um, so we can help people make really confident decisions and it's the same with accountants and advice. It's getting, it's taking away the, all the stress. Yeah, so. And you have lots of different, much the same as us, lots of different clients with like different taste levels and different things like that. So it is about catering to all sorts, not just being like, this yeah. is my designer, like black and I like gold and that's all I do. <laughs> oh, big time. Like obviously I have my own preferences, but that's not my job to force that onto people. My job is to find out what makes people tick and what they enjoy and what makes their house a home and 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 use that i'm not doing my job well if that isn't achieved so mm -hmm. yeah so just going back to that piece of advice do you think that it's kind of as a small business owner when you make that decision to go out into business that you kind of feel like you have to have everything together that you have to have control of everything and is that something that you have to learn to let go of as you bring in advisors or different people to take those areas um I'm probably, <laughs> I'm a chronic person for flying on the seat of my pants, so I, like, you can definitely figure things out along the way. I think you learn more by making mistakes, so long as they're not the mistakes that hit you so severely in the pocket that put you out of business. Um, I think general advice, like, I don't think you need to have financial advisors straight off the bat, but certainly the right accounting software and, like, yeah. the right advice in terms of where to go and what to do in a cost-effective way, those kinds of things could definitely help. Um, but then as your business grows, I think you also need to identify if you're not keeping up with the business itself, that's when you need to probably bring in other parties or bring someone into your own business that helps you do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we're... 
absolute advocates for that mm -hmm. though, isn't it? Like getting someone to help you out so yeah. that you don't stress and you don't get up at night thinking like, oh, I've never dressed here or I've got these obligations I just don't really know about. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like sort of having IAD to happen on your door is not the ideal thing. So, I mean, having those kinds of stresses removed are key. Um, but yeah, it's just... I think getting the basics sorted and knowing what those basics are and should look like are really ideal and then as your business grows and you can afford more investment into your business, I mean all that stuff is investment back into yourself. So as you can afford that then it's definitely um, a cost that you should have in your business mm -hmm. to grow. People are sometimes quite short-sighted and they're like, I'd rather make more money now and not spend those costs. But mm. if you spend those costs now, it's going to increase your revenue and sales in the future as well. Yeah. And I mean, you don't need to go just to one person. You can probably vet that a little bit in terms of like reaching out to multiple people and seeing mm. what fits and seeing who resonates with what you're doing. Yeah. So yeah, it's investigating that and making sure that you sort of, you're going to see the return from what you're investing. Absolutely. So mm. like your business looking forward, what are your goals going forward and do you want to grow? Add more people. <laughs> um, I think like adding another person would be a great thing to do at some point, um, maybe in the next year. But at the moment, I'm really I'm liking where we're at in terms of we've invested really hard for the last like two years in terms of technology, systems, all of that sort of stuff. So hopefully by the time another person comes into the business, um, it's going to be really straightforward for me to be able to explain what we do, how we do it. Uh, people to contact, all that kind of stuff. So we've invested really hard on the getting our, you know, we've come to BDO to also get the right, like, financial support and advice. But then as well, we've got the software and technology and everything that propels us forward in terms of design and making sure that we're meeting the market in terms of what's expected and how this industry operates. Um, so at the moment, I'm really just hoping that the foundation of what we've set up is now what grows. Mm -hmm. um, yes, another person could come into that. Um, I think having someone to do like the marketing side of things would be really great. Um, again, that's another investment back into the business that hopefully then takes care of itself. Um, but yeah, that's that's my goal is to basically use the foundation of what we've set up now to really work what we've got. Because I know that we're doing really good work and I'm really proud of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice to know that you can say that you're proud of what you're producing and what you're doing and what you're even giving back to the community and yeah. everyone around Taranaki as well. Yeah, yeah, and just that people are enjoying working with us and that they like the work we're putting out. We've um, established a bit of a library within our space, like we've got a studio in town um, and we've got a real good library there and as well we we support suppliers in terms of making sure that the things that we're putting into people's houses, we do a lot of research to make sure that it's ethical, sustainable, that we're supporting things that we'd be really happy that are still in homes in 50 years time not supporting industries that are potentially polluting our world and making things worse you know so we have a lot of ethics built into what we do as well and educating our clients and people who come through our doors about those kinds of industries the products and making sure that we're really proud of it from start to finish so on that ethics piece do you have kind of like almost like a mantra or something that you go by and things that you would consider when making those decisions is it um, not so much as a procedure as such, it's just like we really, we care about what we're putting in. Um, it needs to be quality, it needs to meet a certain standard for us to specify it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just that we have a good ethical understanding of what we would want to see and anything that's not really meeting the mark for us, we probably wouldn't put in our library or into the homes that we're designing. Yeah, we have a, well like, you know, if we're in charge of, you know, specifying for all these clients, like they're coming to us because we're professionals. Um, I would hope that people also value the fact that we put all that time into research 
of finding out what is good for their homes and good for their families as well because it's it's a really important like your air quality and everything that comes into that you know it's your day-to-day -day living you're not going to be spending that kind of money again in the next 20 years like we would need to make sure that it's going to last that it's good for your family that's good for the environment and mm -hmm. it's good for our planet and making sure that you are meeting all of those things and, and mm -hmm. doing a quality product that is what helps you build the reputation with the suppliers and with the customers yeah. that you're doing that great job in and I guess the other thing that you touched on was about sustainability that's becoming more and more prevalent that yep. businesses need to do that because customers are expecting that that when they engage a business okay. yep. that they're doing the right thing for the planet as well. So you have everything all lined up by the sounds mm -hmm. of things to, to really get on board with what people are expecting of, yeah. of a professional. Yeah, I hope they were ahead of that aspect of it because, I mean... Um, it's not something you definitely want to promote. I mean, if you know if there's a carpet out there, that's the equivalent of you using seven plastic bags per day for the next twenty years. Yep. It's not a nice thing to be sort of introducing into our world. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I hope that when people are engaging a designer of of any description, that that is also a factor. They're employing us to know those kinds of things, educate them. I mean, they're not in the market; they don't know. You know, when was the last time someone went shopping for carpet? You just don't know when it's. But we deal with it all day, every day. So this is sort of something that we feel responsible when we're the people selecting to make sensible selections and lead the clients on that. I think mm. clients care about it as well. I'm looking at a reno at the moment and finding about like some paints that are produced that don't use any chemicals because yeah. that's something that's literally the interior of your house and all over your house and it's full of chemicals. Yeah, so volatile organic compounds are definitely uh, known to have effects on air quality as well so mm. yeah I mean brands like Rosine do that really well mm. yeah thank you so much for like coming in and sharing all of this with us like it's been really cool to hear about your business and then hear about what you're doing where you're heading if anyone wanted to contact you and reach out I know you're busy but what's the best way to do that <laughs> I'll say yes um <laughs> contact me on my website which is houseofdesignhaus.co.nz Cool. Awesome. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. We sure will. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. All good. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unlocking Business Potential. If you enjoyed what you heard, head along to your favorite podcast app. Like, rate, and subscribe so you will receive notifications when future episodes are released. And if you do have any questions or are in need of tailored advice, please do not hesitate to contact us at melancal at bdo.co.nz. We look forward to joining you next time on Unlocking Business Potential, your business advisory podcast backed by BDO Taranaki.